Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. Welcome everyone. Today's topic is on maintaining a strong relationship with a partner in grad school and beyond. I want to start by saying that I've had this episode on my mind for a few weeks now, ever since it was suggested by a listener on Instagram. And I've been thinking about it and I've been reaching out to a couple of guest speakers and each time I've reached out, I've brought up some suggestions for topics and I've included that one on, you know, having a strong relationship or strengthening a relationship or maintaining a strong relationship and <clears throat> no one signed up for that. There are other topics, other people signed up for them, but not this one and I kept wondering why is that? And all I could think about was the fact that it's personal. And it's a lot of times it's hard to share about romantic relationships as we're navigating them. It can feel a very vulnerable to talk about that. Uh, it's maybe, you know, part of your like feeling like that's my business. Nobody else needs to know about that business. And so I, I kept thinking, well, I've been in a romantic relationship in a monogamous relationship with someone for 14 years and it's going relatively well. So why don't I go ahead and talk about it? Um, I'm very much a fan of destigmatizing topics, of demystifying topics. I am willing to put myself out there in some ways if it means that I can help others. And so I figured, why not? And so before I get started, you know, I, I do want to remind you that when I'm talking about maintaining a strong relationship, I am referring to a romantic relationship and I am referring to monogamous relationships. I understand that for a lot of individuals, being in a monogamous relationship is not for them. Being married is not for them. And that is awesome. I think we should all pursue relationships that work best for us, that allow us to thrive. And so for me, I very much, I very much am attracted to monogamous relationships. I was that um, individual in my teenage years who just like was, I, I called myself a serial monogamist. I went from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next. And I kind of just ended up with my partner, now husband, Josh, who's just kind of, he, he's just been around because it's worked out. Um, so What, how is it that it's worked out for us? How did we navigate grad school? Um, I started grad school at a relatively young age. I was 21. And then while I was in grad school, then he ended up getting his bachelor's degree and a master's degree. And we had a child together. And then when I um, started my first full-time job, then he uh, decided to pursue another master's degree We recently had a second baby. And so there's been a lot that we've navigated. And I have to admit, it, is, it has not been easy. And in many ways we have grown. And now it's 
you know, for the most part been relatively smooth, but there have still been bumps on the road. And so I want to share kind of some of the things that we have worked on that have helped us with strengthening our romantic relationship. And I'll start with first things first, you hear this said from time to time by anyone who's been in a long-term relationship is that you need to work on your communication. And by that, I mean your, your communication skills individually, but then your communication skills together as a couple, because the way that you communicate, the way that your partner communicates is likely very different. So you gotta really get to know each other and your communication styles. I mean, for instance, I am someone who, I am an oversharer. I over communicate. I, when I get anxious, I want to kind of figure it out, sort it out, figure out the solution to the problem or share my emotions, vent and have someone empathize with me. But I very much kind of want something done now. And when I communicate, I want you to give me your attention, you know, make eye contact and verbalize, like share words that to me, um, prove to me that you're listening. Whereas with my partner, he uh, doesn't really make eye contact and sometimes he needs more space. And sometimes words don't come to him as quickly. Uh, sometimes he needs more time and space to process and to gather his thoughts. And so what does that mean? That means that we've had to find ways to compromise. It means we don't always talk about things right away. Sometimes, you know, we need to take our time, which means an hour, two hours, maybe the next day, um, and then sorting things out. But figuring out your communication styles, also figure out your love languages. This is something that I learned many, many years ago. There's a thing called love languages. You can look it up. There are five of them. There, uh, I can name them. There's words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and receiving gifts. So what are the things that show you and make you feel the most loved? So I'll give myself an, as an example. I am big on quality time. You may have a couple that you actually very much like, or you might like all of them. But what's the main one that if you could only choose one for your partner to show you that they love and care for you, what would you prefer? For me, it would be quality time. Words of affirmation, yeah, you know, okay, you can say something, but then you gotta follow it up with your actions. And then physical touch, hmm, I didn't grow up with a lot of physical touch, so I don't always love to be touched. <laughs> and then um, acts of service, you know, that's nice, you know, for someone to think about you and to do something while thinking about you, like do a chore, something, you know, to help you out. That's nice. And receiving gifts, you know, it's nice to be thoughtful and receive a gift, but that one's on the very bottom of my list because I'm not really big on um, receiving gifts. It's, it's not something I absolutely need, um, but quality time is a big one for me. If I feel like we haven't spent you know, this works also with my friendships too. So not just, not just my um, romantic relationship, but platonic relationships too. If I feel that we have had a good amount of, not just time together, like we could be sitting in a room working with each other all day long. If we're not spending quality time, I still don't feel close to you. So 
quality time is very important to me, not just spending time together, but actually being intentional with how you use that time. And then for my partner, he's very big on physical touch. Physical touch is the way that he feels loved. And so I have to get out of my comfort zone to try to provide that physical touch, you know, holding hands, a hug, a kiss, you know, all of that. Um, I know it's going to be very meaningful to him. So I go out of my way for that. He goes out of his way to make time for us to spend together. So love languages, knowing your love language, knowing your partner's love language, and then executing that regularly will help. What else do we do when it comes to communicating? Um, we are two very busy individuals. We have jobs. We have two kids. Um, we've got a household that we're running. And so for that, we need to make sure that we stay kind of organized. We develop a routine and the schedule and what are the things that we do regularly. We have weekly check-ins. And in those check-ins, we review our schedule, our weekly commitments, what's going on with us. That's very important as a parent to figure out, you know, when are you going to have Zoom meetings? When do you need um, our, you know, access to a certain room or to quiet time or focus time, tag teaming, who's going to take the baby when, who's going to work, you know, with homeschooling when, um, who's going to do the chores and what time. And so just figuring out that, doing that weekly check-in, figuring out what's on the calendar, what's coming up for that week, how you can both support each other and, and making sure that you prioritize both both careers, both individuals, and whatever is a priority for each, and kind of doing that, that balancing act and compromising when you need to, because there might be days when both of you are busy or both of you have things coming up, so talking about it and prioritizing. That's been helpful. The other thing that's been really, really helpful, and again, you'll notice this, this is going to come up from time to time, I may mention finances and budgeting there's there's a big reason why a lot of um, relationships don't stand the test of time and don't last and one of the main reasons has to do with differences in money and how you manage money what you think about money and how you budget what you prioritize and um, that's a you know a leading cause for divorce rates is just have like issues with money so for us, what do we do to manage that? We have a monthly budgeting meeting. So every month, it's usually near the end of the month or at the beginning of the next month, we schedule some time, usually it's Saturday or Sunday, and we go and review our budget. What does that mean? We go in and um, review all of our expenses for that month and see if we were on budget, off, like did we go over or under what we had budgeted? And then based on those numbers, we update the budget and um, estimate how much we're gonna spend for the next month. And we try to account for what's coming up for the next month, but also are there things that are gonna come up later in the year that we need to start saving for now? Like, you know, now's a good time to start thinking about, oh, okay, there's a lot of birthdays coming up or Christmas is gonna come up or whatever other things are gonna come up that are gonna require money, um, then we gotta, talk about it um what else uh regular either every night or every few nights scheduling in quality time that's really important um 
that way you don't feel like you're always just roommates or you're just uh, partners, like household partners. Um, that way you feel like you are an actual couple. And then alongside with that, I would recommend date nights. I haven't been very good with that. Um, but, you know, it could be once a week. It could be once every other week. It could be monthly. But figuring out a time and making it routine and prioritizing that. For a lot of us that are parents, we don't do it because lack of childcare, lack of money, lack of time. And it's really easy to put it to the side and to the side to the side. And before you know it, it's been a whole year. You haven't had an, an official date night with your partner and you just don't feel connected. So what do you do when you don't have time or money or um, childcare? Then, you know, one thing we do is we put the kids to bed early and have a date night at home. Whatever you need to do, prioritize that because if you don't, it's really easy uh, for you to feel disconnected from your partner. The other thing I want to talk about is seeking professional help along the lines of destigmatizing. Uh, I know I've talked about therapy and how important therapy is uh, for you as an individual. Well, the same goes for therapy as a couple. I don't think we'd be together to this day if it wasn't for couples counseling. And in fact, we've done it um, on three different occasions with three different therapists. And currently we're not, but who knows, we might go back to it later on if we find that there are too many issues that are coming up or new things that are coming up and we need that extra outside unbiased opinion, then we will pursue that. So what are some of the benefits of couples counseling? Um, like I just said, it's having that third party, having an unbiased individual who can hash out scenarios with you, who can provide you with some strategies to try out, who can uh, share their insight, who can help you identify triggers, who can help you uncover some childhood experiences that maybe you hadn't thought about before, who could make you aware about your differences. There could be cultural differences, there could be gender differences, there could be class differences, there could be differences in your mindset, there could be differences in how you communicate. Um, so you see what I mean? There's so many things that, that come up when you are in a partnership um, that it helps to have that other person there who can see you from an outsider's perspective. It's really hard to see yourself and identify your differences when you're in it versus someone else who doesn't know either of you very well. They can then notice you know, different, very big differences right away. Um, so I wanted to mention, so I mentioned earlier that we've tried it out three times, each time very, very helpful. And one question that I've received from some of my close friends who have been interested in pursuing couples counseling is, well, how did you find a couples counselor? How did you afford it? Um, how did you navigate that and figure it out? Um, I'll talk about three different ways. So the first one was actually just out of the benefits of my partner being a Marine Corps veteran. He has access to um, VA medical services. So when we were in LA, we actually were able to go to the Los Angeles VA center and we had access to a therapist there um, who was willing to provide couples counseling free of cost. 
that was great. We lucked out because that individual had experience working with Marine Corps vets and vets who had been in Iraq because my, my husband, my partner had to kind of navigate that and go to individual counseling to work on, um, on how to kind of overcome, navigate and overcome PTSD. So she had that experience and then she was also married to an academic. And so <laughs> she knew what it was like to be with an academic. And at the time I was a grad student. So I, that was all I was navigating is, is getting through grad school. So that was the first time that we tried out couples counseling. The second time was through my work at UCSB. So um, it was during the time that I, I was working full-time and my partner was working on his master's degree. I was able to get um, access to on-campus therapists who work with faculty, staff, and um, graduate students who are staff members as well. And so we were able to see a therapist uh, on campus who worked with us. And again, this was a benefit for staff members free of cost. So that helped us out a lot. Um, the third time that we tried it was actually external to services that we had access to, resources that we had access to. And this was through doing a search um, and we did have to pay for it. So this was do, doing a search on psychologytoday.com, looking for a therapist near us, then contacting a few folks, asking them if any of them offered sliding scale fees or accepted our insurance. At that time I did not look out because not a single therapist in the area provided the services that we needed and accepted my insurance. And we were both getting, um, we're both on my insurance at the time. So in this case, we actually were able to find someone who was local who could offer a sliding scale fee. And because of our tight budget and finances, we ended up only going once a month and we paid $75 per session. So I want to be completely kind of transparent about the fee, because I know that's a big thing that that gets in the way of people accessing services is the fact that either they don't have insurance or not a lot of things are covered through their insurance or they don't have the money to pay out of pocket. And nowadays actually it seems that there are even more options for online counseling than ever before. And these options tend to be a lot more affordable and it seems that they're a lot more either affordable or sliding scale fees available. So if you don't have access to, to therapy through your job or through your school, um, you can try this route. Um, what else do I wanna say? Another thing to consider, again, if you have access to it or if you have the financial means to do so is to try out a couple's retreat. We did this once and we might even try it out again in the near future um, if we, if we can find a way to budget it in, but it was actually really helpful. We attended a couple's retreat in San Diego and um, it was really interesting because it was through um, my husband's VA benefits. And so I don't remember, I don't know if there was a fee associated with it. I think we paid just for the lodging, but then everything else was free of cost. Um, so we, yeah we paid for our stay and for our meals. And it was a three day retreat. I dropped, well, we dropped off our son with grandparents and it was our first time leaving him alone without us overnight. So it was kind of a big deal. 
um, we didn't know what to expect. We showed up and it was actually like a three-day couples course. Uh, there were a lot of PowerPoints, a lot of exercises. We were probably the youngest couple there. <laughs> Most people there were um, were like middle-aged or had been you know, together much longer than us. And there were a lot of, like I said, a lot of exercises. One thing I remember from that was that they suggested and gave us copies of communication cards that nowadays there are more couples cards. Like you can find those, you can find relationship apps. I know that I've followed um, like the Gottman Institute, for instance, uh, I've followed them on Instagram and they have a lot of useful information on strengthening your relationship with a partner. Um, so to this day, there, there's some things that kind of we, continue to do um thanks to that couples retreat like we have these cards and they're kind of like a game where we just check in with each other and ask questions to one another based on what's on the cards it's a nice way to kind of break the ice and having you know more difficult conversations that you might not otherwise have in fact actually one thing that's coming to mind that we did that was I don't think we would have ever done if it wasn't for this retreat was there was this exercise where you had to one of you lie down, close your eyes, not move. The other individual had to pretend that you have just passed and what, what would you say? Or that you know your partner is about to, to pass away. What would be your last words for them? And so the other person is supposed to just stay resting, not move, um, close their eyes. And you then talk to them and share your last words with them. And a lot comes up. I mean, there are a lot of people in tears. A lot comes up when you're telling someone your last words. And that's nice. It's nice to know what your partner would say to you, um, what they really think about you. Um, yeah, that was really meaningful. So if you can try out a couple's retreat, if it's something that's accessible to you, I would also recommend that. What are my takeaways? There's a lot that can be said about being in a relationship. It is hard work. Um, it doesn't have to be too hard. You know, it shouldn't be toxic. It shouldn't be, um, there shouldn't be violence involved. There shouldn't be, um, there shouldn't be egos either. Um, but it does take some work to, to figure each other out and to work, um, and symbiosis or to work to kind of align and grow together instead of growing apart over time so takeaways one is it takes two to tango both individuals should be willing to do the work if someone's saying if, if someone's telling you that it's just you or you're telling your partner it's just them uh-uh that's not true everybody has to work on themselves and in fact i recommend you working on yourself and working as a couple. So, you know, if you're interested in couples counseling and you haven't done individual counseling, then maybe you should start by each of you going to individual counseling first. That is what we did. Um, my partner and I, we've both gone and sought therapy on our own. And we've also sought couples therapy or couples counseling together. So do the work, do the work individually, do the work as a group. Um, second is, 
this one's hard. It's hard for me to say this because I have to admit I have an ego um, and sometimes it comes out a little bit, but you got to leave your ego at the door. You have to acknowledge when you make a mistake, you have to be willing to provide honest, meaningful apologies and back them up with your actions. And you don't always have to be right. Oof, my partner and I sometimes we butt heads because we are both Virgos. We both like to be right. We both have particular ways of doing things. We can both be type A, but in different ways. So you have to remind each other what we don't have to always be right. We are part of the same team. That actually leads me to my next takeaway. So I'm going to leave you with five takeaways. So number one, it takes two to tangle. Number two, leave your egos at the door. Number three, you are a team. Don't forget this. You are a team. So whether it's parenting, whether it's managing your finances, whether it's supporting each other's careers, remind yourself that you're part of a team. You're not in this alone. You're in this together. And so it's best to remind yourself that when you're in the middle of an argument or a discussion to stop the blame game if that's coming up and to figure out ways to work best together. All right, takeaway number four is let go of the little things. Yes, that's right. There will be things about your partner over time after the vanilla stage is over, after the honeymoon stage is over, after the first one to two years of being together, or sometimes even seven years after the seven year itch, you know, <laughs> you're going to realize like there might be things that get on your last nerve about your partner or that annoy you or you're like, oh. Do you have to chew that loud? Uh, do you have to leave your stuff everywhere? Uh, do you have to leave the toilet roll um, the wrong way or whatever it is? There's it's always some little thing. And um, it's just figuring out the, the little things that bother you that are not deal breakers and letting them go. It's like, okay, for me, I'm a very tidy, organized person. My partner is not. And so sometimes I just got to take a deep breath and just ask him in a nice way. Hey, babe, when you have a chance, do you think you can um, clean up the stuff that you left in the bedroom? Not, did you really leave that out? Can you pick it up now? <laughs> it's like watching your tone, but also like being like, okay, this is part of how he is. And if we work together, then we can kind of sort it out. So working together means like he might say, yeah, sure. I'm busy right now, but I'll get to it tonight. And being okay with seeing the mess for the rest of the day. <laughs> That's just one small example. It's like letting go of the little things and figuring out a way to like work with that. Um, and then takeaway number five, codependence isn't cute. I know I just said that you are a team. I know I just said that it takes two to tangle, but also um, it's okay to have separate interests. It's okay to have separate endeavors. It's okay to do your own thing and to have an identity outside of your relationship. You don't wanna become enmeshed. You don't wanna become codependent. You want to always know that you'll be okay on your own no matter what. Um, that is really empowering. And I think that when you are independent or even interdependent, you've got your own thing. Um, it helps, it helps you feel um, more confident in your relationship. Um, I don't believe in being controlling. I don't believe in 
needing to know where the other individual is and micromanaging. No, you are your own self. Your partners are your own self, their own self. So um, respect them, respect their boundaries, respect their differences. Uh, and yeah, know when it's time to work together and know when it's time to have your own alone time. I think that's all I have to say about relationships. I could probably go on and on and on about this topic because I'm still growing in that um, in that world or in, in that realm of relationships. I'm still learning a ton, but I figured why not share what I've learned thus far in the 14 years that we've been together. So has it been 14? Yeah, 14 years, dang. Um, and if you found this helpful, let me know. Shoot me a DM over IG. Send me an email at gradschoolfemturing at gmail.com. I'm always curious what your thoughts are about these episodes. I'll talk to you all next time. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Femtouring podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Femtouring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram, sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at eventmartinezvu.com. Until next time.